Hey, what's up, everybody out there in podcast land? Hello. It's Drew and Dan here on the Drew and Dan Show, and we are back at you with an NBA podcast. NBA podcast. It's been a long week, but first... As always, this podcast is brought to you by the Breakfast Burrito at Expatriate. So good, it's so delightful. light. It's It's got some shrimp inside. A breakfast burrito that won't make you sick and kill you. No, and it's delightful. It'll it'll cure you. Yeah, It's yeah. good for what ails you. Eat as many as possible. <laughs> uh, this podcast is also brought to you by the book Collections by Andrew Martin, a, a masterpiece, a collection of poems and, and stories. He, <laughs> Mr. Martin has been compared to a, a modern-day Gertrude Stein and a, a, a Sylvia Plath uh, before, before she lost her if, mind. If you have no clue what Dan is talking about, Dan's been going through my stuff, and he has discovered a, treas- a treasure chest of books that I wrote in elementary school. It's amazing. So our podcast is brought to you by that. All right, let's get to the NBA. This is an NBA podcast. It's been a while, and it's been a while because I was hurt so bad. It was it was it was painful. It was just an awful, awful game seven experience for True. me. I'm very sorry. As a Warriors fan, I I it just it, it stung. It hurt. Um, I, I though I have to say, Dan, I was sort of expecting it. Um, if you listen to some of our previous NBA podcasts, the Warriors were uh, not on the right trajectory. Yeah, and it was weird. After that game six, we both kind of didn't know what to no. – we didn't really have any thoughts. It was just weird. And, and My only thought was if they golfed the momentum, the Warriors had negative momentum and Cleveland was was on yeah. the rise. Uh, Warriors were battling injuries and Cleveland was just getting stronger. Mm-hmm. And, and Drew, before we get into the game, I want to know from you – I don't really follow too closely into to Warriors circles. I'm not in the Warrior fan base very deep. Yeah. But what's the what's the feeling like in Warriors world? What what are Warriors fans feeling? Uh, obviously, besides just the the crushing defeat. Yeah. Losing the finals. <laughs> you know. Uh, um, you know the new fans. I'm not. I don't use the term bandwagon fans because I don't believe in it. But the new fans who um, who've joined the show in the last year or two years, um, which I'm totally okay with. I think there was more of a shock, uh, a yeah. stunned disbelief in that fan base. And um, for the fans that have been around for a while, those that have gone go back in the day. Um, you know, it, it it hurt a little. It hurt, but it hurt a little less. You know, we were definitely accustomed to the winning, to the dominance, to the yeah. title, to you know, just the records being set. But at the same time, um, we've been watching this team for decades. Like you know, not really win, and yeah. so it, it it. I think for the true fans, it, it was definitely disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's fine. So in in your mind, the the seventy three wins, you're. I mean, it sounds it sounds to me like you and the fans that you're close with, you're all very proud of this team. Oh yeah. There's obviously disappointment in losing the finals, but but as a whole, you're not disappointed in your team. Uh, it's hard to be disappointed with just a massively record-setting historical yeah. year. That record may never be broken. Yeah, it may never be broken. So yeah. Um. And I was wondering, I've been reading a lot of, I read, I read blogs, I follow tons of NBA people on Twitter. I, you know me, I love speculation more than anything. 
and, and people people are sort of like well do the warriors need to blow it up do they yeah. well, do they need to start making a ton of changes and, and, and we we just talked about this before we obviously want to do a longer podcast in the future with warriors off season maybe I'll talk lakers off season while we'll someone talk blazers off season but but your initial thought uh, and I have thoughts of my own I want to hear initially what 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 the state of the warriors organization is and yeah. what what moves they need to make going forward if any yeah. Uh, where well, do they need to get better? Well, to be honest, I'm not a, a guy who's an expert in contracts and who's where and what. And, you know, you really got to factor in a whole lot of things on who age, years, money, cap, like um, all that stuff when you talk about going forward. But um, we're going to have my buddy Brandon on soon, who that is his area oh, of expertise. Sweet. He, he eats that stuff up. Um, What's up, Brandon? And he'll, he'll be able to really share um, you know, thoughtfully on that area. I, but what the what, what the Warriors do now, right? Let's let's just let's just talk just really briefly on that, based off yeah. uh, this series, the championship series, because I think it revealed something about this Warriors team. If the Warriors won out, and if they were if they took care of business and they won the second title in a row, I would say don't change a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, re-sign Harrison. Uh, re-sign Festus, make all these moves, keep it intact, why mess with the winning formula, historically good team, back-to-back titles, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Don't touch it. Keep your finger off the button. We don't need it. Um, But everything kind of changed in this last series, and it wasn't just because they lost. I think they revealed something about themselves as a team. And... Uh, it's a really interesting thing. You know the butterfly effect? Are you familiar with that yeah. with that term? Um, I might butcher this description of it, but basically if a butterfly okay. flaps its wings in like Borneo, it creates just a yeah. little bit of a breeze that but blows pollen off a plant and that pollen yeah. takes a bee to, you know, bee town and then the bee, you know, basically <laughs> yeah, it's like weird. pollinates a flower. And Chain reaction. It, it, it basically, can have, then there can be like a tornado across an ocean yeah. on another continent all because... The butterfly flapped his wings. Yeah. Is that, did I do a good job with that? Yeah, more, yeah, more or less. I'm basically a scientist. Yeah. Uh, so um, botanist. Basically, one basically with that you know one little tremor affects everything on a massive scale, kind of mm-hmm. far away. And so, what was really interesting about the Warriors this year? It's almost like they're a delicate balance of players mm-hmm. that. You know, maybe it's maybe called a domino effect, maybe called a butterfly effect. I don't know, but if something kind of drops, if, if a domino drops, there's a ripple effect that goes through this team in a very negative way. Yeah. When everything is firing on all cylinders, when everything is perfect, when everyone's healthy and ready to roll, and the rhythm is there and the sync is there, they're the best basketball team of all time. Yeah. What I just said that. You, get, you know what I mean? They're yeah. literally historically good. They can beat anybody. They can play anybody and beat anybody and blow yeah. you out of the gym. When everything is perfectly lined up, when the planets are aligned, when Mars and Jupiter and the stars mm-hmm. and the gravitational pull are in sync, they're the best basketball team of all time. You knock a domino out of place, Dan. I don't know why I'm shouting into the microphone. That's okay. My, I'll have to edit the audio. I'm shouting into the universe <laughs> right now. Yeah. It actually changes everything. And we saw that when the domino dropped of losing Andrew Bogut. Yep. All of a sudden, your rim protection is not there. 
mm-hmm. and when your rim protection is not there, and we under Andrew Bogut, we underestimate his his impact on the game because yeah. he doesn't affect the the scoring column. But if you remember early on in the series, he had just a block party going on, and those block parties lead to good offense, right? Mm-hmm. Good defense leads to good offense, and you take that out of the equation, all of a sudden that defense is really hurt, and you know we lost Draymond for a series, and Draymond cost you Bogut, and then costing you Bogut means you run Azili out there who mm-hmm. was just getting beat horribly and if you're getting if you're not getting the defensive stops you're not getting good offensive possessions and if you're not getting good offensive possessions with this team it was like they were just they couldn't ever find yeah any sink yeah and that was really interesting to me and so it's like do you keep the team as is that's the original question like uh, yeah if you could win if you know keep everyone healthy and ready to roll don't touch a thing but you got to really keep in mind i think the question what if the domino drops next year Mm-hmm. What if a butterfly flaps its wings next year? How does that throw off this team? Because they're a finesse team. Yeah. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, they're finesse players. Even Draymond Green needs that outside jumper to go down to get mm-hmm. you know to get things going. And there's a difference between a finesse team and a power team. Would you agree? Yeah. LeBron is all power. The Thunder yeah. are a power team. Even the Spurs are a power team. They they attack the rim with power. And when you're a power team, mm-hmm. you can actually get away with losing some players if you have those explosive guys going to the rim. Yeah. The Warriors aren't that. Mm-hmm. They don't have that back-to-the-basket def- like offensive bruiser who's going to crush a ball in your face. The Cavs have two guys like that. Yeah. Tristan Thompson is tip jamming all day long mm-hmm. at the rim. You know, that's a power game. Yeah. And a power game is different than a finesse game. And a finesse game relies on uh, sync and rhythm and just the offensive flow that, yeah. come, that stems from the defensive flow. Yeah. Does, it, does that make sense? Am I just oh, rambling? Totally. And I'm there with you. And, and I have a few thoughts as well. I, I think. I think if, if anything, the finals taught us a few things. One, Steph Curry just needs to be healthy. He wasn't completely himself. But two, I, I think what we learned and throughout the playoffs, uh, a lot of people gravitate towards the Warriors because Steph is this amazing player. Yeah. He is. He's yeah. maybe until the finals where LeBron kind of owned everybody. But, yeah, uh, well, let's, let's talk about that in a second. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Curry's this this amazing player, unlike anything we've ever seen. Clay Thompson is amazing. Yeah. He's so good. Draymond Green's amazing. But the Golden State Warriors aren't one of the best teams of all time just because of Steph Curry's greatness, just because of Clay Thompson's greatness. They're great because they have a system in place that allows – a guy like Bogut to to fall into his role yeah. and dominate it. It, it yeah. allows a guy like Sean Livingston to come off the yeah. bench, and, and you look at the box score and you're like, oh, it felt like Sean Livingston like owned this game, but he yeah. had 12 points. Right. But he's doing exactly what he needed to do. And I heard this great uh, this great comparison the other day, and I want to give credit. I think it was Tate Frazier from The Ringer. Uh, but he, could, he he was saying how people this whole year has been spent comparing the 2016 Warriors to the 96-97 Bulls. And he said, actually, Golden State is not a, a Michael Jordan Bulls team. It's more, it's more of a 2000 Spurs team. Like they're this team that has this system in place yeah. where where your core players are in place. You have a coach that that asserts his 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 vision for the team well you have players that buy into it and then you have guys that come and go but so what you need is not the best available players what you need are the 
players best suited to play in your system. Yes. And that's why a guy like Andrew Bogut, like you said, that's why him going down had such an effect on the yeah. Warriors because you had Steve Kerr scrambling. Steve Kerr is a master of rotations. He figured right. out the death lineup last year, which was like the most lethal lineup of any NBA team this whole year by yeah. like a huge margin. Bogut goes down. Yeah, and there's not really anything that he could do. He no. tries to give Azili minutes. Uh, he, yeah. he 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 tries to give Verajao minutes. And there there were some mistakes made by Steve Kerr in Game Seven. If I'm going to be really honest, yeah, yeah. Um, and what it comes down to, I, that's a great point. It's about the system, you mm-hmm. know. And I'm thinking we need some players. I'm thinking these KD rumors they sound great. Serge Ibaka just got traded tonight. It's Thursday that we're recording this. Yeah, Serge just got uh, dude. Serge Ibaka on the Warriors. I love that idea. Yeah. But he's gone, right? He's I didn't know he was an available piece. But think about um, the Warriors system. It's perfect. But you need guys like you just said that can play in that system. Um, yeah. And I think sorry, sorry to cut you off. I don't know where you were going, but I think if I had any, and we'll get into this deeper later or on another pod. But but I think I think the Warriors, their off season, man. I just think I think we we the league today is is, is a league that overreacts yeah. to every situation. If we look at the Thunder, who. Who I think if they made the finals, they might have beat Cleveland. That's what a lot of people are saying. I don't know if that's actually true, but there's all these overreactions of okay, Katie's got to leave, and, right. and we just saw they just traded Serge Ibaka. There's nothing wrong with that with that Thunder team. No, they're they're a championship caliber team right now. With they're Serge amazing. Ibaka, with Steven Adams, with those you know. So so the overreaction would be like Golden State's obviously not going to blow up their team. But no. to just start signing people because they're available and because they can sign them because they're Golden State, you if you can't re-sign Harrison Barnes, sign someone like Harrison Barnes right. that does the same things and maybe better, like a Batum has been thrown around. And if Bogut's not healthy or, or, yeah. or if he needs to play a more limited role next season, get get like a Biombo or you, a, dude, or you a need that rim protector go, go for, the, for, for the system to work. You need that rim protector yeah. in place because uh, we saw the Warriors fall victim to the butterfly effect. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it didn't, the system didn't work without the right pieces in place. Yeah. And a um, couple of thoughts. I just want to throw your yeah, way. One, please. Um, Steph Curry was the unanimous MVP. He should have been the unanimous MVP. Steve Kerr was coach of the year. He should have been coach of the year. Both of those awards are given on the season. Yep. And based on what those guys did in the season, those awards are absolutely warranted. They should have won them. They did win them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just to reiterate, those awards are voted on before the playoffs yeah. even start. Now, what we saw in the finals is uh, Steve Kerr made some mistakes mm-hmm. in Game 7 that... You know, I don't know if they could have won Game 7, but um, it was obvious to everybody watching Game 7 that Azili didn't have it. Nope. And he was out there in crunch time, in yeah. significant minutes, it, like when it mattered. Um, it was obvious that Verjao was killing them. As bad as Azili was, Verjao was much worse. Yeah, and, and they, both these guys while. were out there, and they were getting beat, and they could not, like the Warriors were in a situation, especially late in the game, where they just needed offense, they needed points. Spades didn't get run. Um, uh, uh, the game in game six, uh, Captain Barbosa was on fire, played yeah. a brilliant game off the bench. He didn't get run, you know, he got like four minutes in game seven. Um, and I hate to say it, we threw a lot of shade at, at Cavs coach, uh, Lou, Teron Lou. Mm-hmm. And, um, in game seven, he beat Kerr in one simple way. 
He kept his rotation short. He literally yeah, played six really guys. Short. He played seven guys, but one of those guys was Mo Williams for four minutes. He yeah. rolled out basically six guys for the entire that was, game yeah, we, seven. We talked about that after the game, and Tyron Liu made the statement, I, I think in before the series started shifting, like game three or game four at, at his presser, he said uh, people were asking him about if he was playing LeBron too many minutes, and simply he was like, it's the finals. Yeah. Like this is what Yeah, they were This in- is literally what we play for the yeah. whole year. So all season long coach Kerr had the rotations going. He sat Curry the minute he needed to sit him and he sat he rested guys, rested yeah. guys. He was resting guys in game 7 that needed to be on the court just because we needed buckets. Mm-hmm. And we're not getting them from Izili, we're not getting them from Verjao and those guys are just out there were um, Yeah. Go small, just run and gun. Um yeah. Draymond can defend, Livingston can defend, Harrison can defend, and yeah. Harrison didn't, did not know his role. He kept putting up. If he was just out there to defend and, and try and rebound, he could have really helped his team. But he just they just basically left him open. Yeah, Golden State their their rotation was it was too deep. Yeah, in Game Seven, that's what I didn't understand. You're bringing Verja, Azili. Uh, I don't know if McAdoo played that much. He but didn't it, play in Game Seven, but he like. He might have. I mean, but, there are a couple of guys. Rush should have been. There are yeah. guys you should have at least tried when it was obvious to everyone watching yeah. that these two posts didn't have it. But even so, there, there, man, there's ways to there's ways to get rest without benching your guys. Do uh, uh, a timeout like yeah. like paired with a with a TV timeout that yeah. gives you like over three minutes. You gotta. It's the finals, man. It's game yeah. You got. You gotta have your gunners out there, and, and we. They just needed a basket. They went scoreless for what the last four thirty eight of the game. Yeah, that and, was ridiculous. Uh, and honestly, still they held Cleveland to one just dagger three and one free throw. Yeah. In that same time period, mm-hmm. so literally, uh, Cleveland only got one field goal and one free throw in the time that the Warriors went scoreless. But that's all it took. Yeah. And so we we've talked a lot about what. Golden State did wrong, um, regardless of injury or they were tired or rotation issues. But you and I both, we have to give props to the Cavs, man, especially to LeBron. He, they were brilliant. LeBron was I, – Co- I got to Co- a point – I give props to Coach Lou. Yeah. He played six. And it was it was uh, it was brilliant. It worked. And LeBron, LeBron didn't even have that good of a game, but he put his um, okay. He well, put his, he had a triple double. He had a triple double, but like he didn't have like an offensive takeover. He had yeah. finished with twenty seven points, and he had to grind for him. Yeah. Um. And then, but defensively, he made his mark. He was. He actually altered the game like with blocks. Yeah. Like just by saying when the Warriors were doing Warrior stuff, he was like, "Nope. Mm-hmm. You think you're gonna start this run? You think you're gonna get the crowd into it? Nope." Mm-hmm. LeBron again, not to bring this up, like literally every time we have a podcast, he he is not one of my favorite players. He's actually one of my least favorite players. But in this I, game, I very much come around on him based on this. this I series. I'm the same way. In this game, I my hatred of him was completely replaced by like I admiration. feel yeah admiration. I I don't remember watching a ton of MJ. I remember a little bit, but I feel like watching LeBron now is what is what people felt like watching peak MJ or Magic Bird. Like, I'm just watching greatness. Yeah. This is the greatest athlete alive right now. Yeah. And he is uh, he's a master of his craft. It's game seven. And even, even like, the whole wrist thing aside, I like, that's annoying, but I, I don't really care. But his, it was just super cool to see all that emotion 
at the end of the game. He was literally on his knees weeping. And this yeah. guy that played 47 minutes in game seven, like surrendered his body. Well, he wanted it so bad. He wanted it bad. so bad. Even and, when, they, when they asked him questions like in, in previous press conferences, he played it pretty cool. Yeah. And all that coolness just dissolved when they won. And he realized yeah. how badly he wanted it it was yeah it was pretty amazing and and i forgot to say this earlier but this podcast is also brought to you by jr smith's amazing post-game presser have you watched it <laughs> yes i've watched dude it. it is a real tearjerker anyways uh, um yeah lebron calves congratulations to them they're probably listening right now but uh no seriously it 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 was funny at golden state we talked about them being this this when all the when all the chips are are falling in the right place, this amazing team, where the Cavs are, LeBron is just this amazing player, and you saw him exert his will like throughout other players on the team. Kevin Love had 14 rebounds in Game Seven, and he actually one would be able to say that Kevin Love's defense on Curry for that last that last shot was actually like really really good, sure. and he altered the shot. Oh. I won't say that, but yeah, yeah some, some I'll, might. I'll say it. Some might, Dan. I'm just saying. Uh, I, I, Kevin Love went from uh, a GoFundMe account started by the Cleveland fans to keep him out of the game. Uh, they were holding signs saying, like, trash can <laughs> equals Kevin Love. And uh, and he just played through that, and he played great. And I'm actually really I'm stoked for him. And Cleveland doesn't deserve you, Kevin Love. Uh, so get out of there. Yeah. Because... Um, yeah, they didn't deserve. They didn't deserve you. Yeah, um, I saw a tweet, Dan. Um, Tell that it basic, to me. That basically said uh, Steph Curry lost his shot. He lost the finals, and he lost the right to be called the best player in the league. All in that series. And, wow. Uh, I'll be honest. I don't disagree with any of those three statements. Um, and it's really interesting to think that, yeah, Steph Curry literally um, in this series, he, he just was out of gas. And it's, I don't know, I was kind of thinking about just the type of player that he is. It kind of goes back to the whole finesse team versus power team. You know, Steph Curry is this finesse player. And at the, you know, finals last year, you play this many games, you play this many postseason games. And when you're when you're a little guy with a little body, you just don't have it. Yeah. And you look at LeBron and just his sheer physical dominance, his size, his strength. You look at the guys, um, you know, on his team that really brought it. Are these just massive dudes? You look at guys like Michael Jordan. You got even guys like Magic Johnson, Larry Bird. Um, all of these dudes, like they just, you know, they have got, they're big bodies, right? Yeah. They're strong bodies, and. It's interesting to think about Steph. Now, two years in a row, he's just out of gas. His yeah. body, his little, he's got that little tiny body all broken down, right? And so, um, you got to think. It's something to think about, right? Like, Because yeah. that's a true statement. He, his shot wasn't going down the way it was uh, all season long. He, I mean, he was the best shooter the world has ever seen, the game has ever seen. Mm-hmm. And um, in the finals, he just could not make his mark. It wasn't right. His body was done. Yeah. He was out of gas. He was sitting in Game Seven in the fourth quarter. So I mean, so we're saying we're sitting here saying, "Oh, it's Steve Kerr. What are you doing?" But he he's got to know his guys. Yeah. Steph couldn't go. He didn't have it. And so the question, Dan, is ultimately like, man, can 
you know, last year it wasn't Steph that got it done. It was Iguodala, right? Yeah. It wasn't Steph that got it done. It was it was Andre Iguodala, and and this year Iggy couldn't get it. Right? Iggy's back was out. Yeah. He couldn't save him. I apologize if you hear my dog just howling in the background. <laughs> Um, she's very upset that I'm throwing shade at Curry. I'm not throwing shade at Curry. I'm just speak saying the facts. His body was done. It was broken. Yeah. And uh, and and the Cavs weren't. So, uh, little man's game, right? Is it a little man's game? It's not. No. Isaiah is probably the only dominant little man we've seen. You know, at an elite level. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, What are your thoughts about that? I. Uh, I mean, I mean, it it sort of came out that he's got. He has just issues with his. There was something with his shoulder and his shoulders, knee, knees, the whole deal. Knees, and it everything. wasn't serious, but it was. It was a problem. Yeah, and I in the finals, I feel like he, um, he like all that just kind of culminated, and and he was just getting abused. And I'm not. I'm not saying that as like the Cavs were playing dirty or anything. They were actually just playing smart and. Kind of very f- physical. Very physical, throwing him ball, around. Very physical. They're not gonna call and, it. You, if they're not going to call it, you might as well. Yeah, and after six, seven games of that, you, as confident as a shooter you are, you're always going to be expecting to be hit, and you're going to yeah. run around screens differently. You're going to shoot differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I guess all that to say, man, first of all, I'm sorry. It was I was here. I'm disappointed as well. But – but the Warriors are going to be fine. They're yeah, they're yeah. like seriously. They're like the new Spurs in a way. Yeah. They're they're always going to be in the conversation, um, and they're going to be. That, that that's the beautiful thing about this year. Everyone's like so like everyone's like treating me like I'm like this broken up little kid. Everyone's super like bummed. Like like saying trying to give me hugs. Be trying to. Everyone's trying to like, uh, you know, be like oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, dude. Uh, we're going to be in the conversation next year. There, you know, there's three or four great teams in this league, and the Warriors are one of them. And we're going to be in the yeah. picture next year. Yep. The only team that can challenge the Warriors' record of 73 wins is the Warriors. The only person that can challenge Steph Curry's record of a ridiculous amount of threes is Steph Curry. Yeah. So it's an exciting team. They're an elite team. Mm-hmm. They're going to be in the picture, the top three or four teams next year. And as a lifelong Warriors fan, that's not something I'm used to. Yeah. And I'm just loving the ride. And we also could, won a title the year before. And yeah. That takes a lot of the sting out of losing in the finals. Totally. And the cool thing about next year is is all like. They have the record for for most wins in an NBA yeah. season. All that, like literally, all that matters to them next year is winning the finals. Yep. Uh, so I think we're gonna. I, I think we might be surprised by the team we see in the regular season, but um, they they know what's at stake. Uh, they know what they're fighting for, and it's a championship. They have yeah. every record like in the world, um, and they're gonna be fighting for the championship next year. Uh, couple quick. So the draft is literally happening right now. Um, the first round's done. I'm very happy with the Lakers' pick of Brandon Ingram. I think <laughs> he'll be great. Uh, there's been, there's been. We're not gonna talk about this for too long, but there's been a couple trades um, this week that I think are quite interesting. Uh, on the 22nd, a few days ago, there was a three-team trade: Jeff Teague to the Pacers, Jordan Hill to the Jazz. And then uh, the Atlanta Hawks got the number 12 pick from Utah. Initial thoughts on this trade. You uh, like Teague? I like Teague. Teague's a good player. Yeah. I don't know a ton about the Eastern Conference, if I'm being really honest, because if you listen to any of these pods, um, you know we were like 
trashing the East and the yeah. Cavs after the Warriors absolutely blew them out yeah. in games uh, one and two. Um, which, by the way, goes back to the butterfly effect. When the Warriors are healthy, they will thrash yeah. the Cavs. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, back to your. I don't know a lot about the East, but I like Teague and yeah. um, the Pacers with Paul George when he's healthy, like mm-hmm. are really intriguing because Paul George is an elite level player. Yeah. And Teague is a great guard. And so Indiana's starting lineup got interesting today because the Indiana also traded, they had the number 20 pick and they traded it to Brooklyn for Thaddeus Young, who's a great player. He's a, he's a four. So Indiana's got Jeff Teague at the one, Monte Ellis at the two, uh, Paul George at the three, Thad Young at the four, and then Miles Turner, who was a rookie last year, had a great season at the five. I feel pretty good about that squad if I'm Indiana. Ultimately, I think that's a good trade. And then uh, Utah getting George Hill. Um, George Hill is fine. He's he's sort of whatever, but but he fills a gap that Utah's needed, which is a point guard. Utah's done, man. They're not a good team. Utah's done. Utah's not a good team, dude. I I I think they they squeak in in the playoffs next year. Okay. I think seven six or seven or six. Anyways, uh, and then that same day, maybe one of the most interesting trades that I've seen in a long time. The New York Knicks get Derrick Rose yeah, they, and a second-round pick, they, and they unloaded Robin Lopez, Jose Calderon, and Jerry and Grant. They have such—I don't know what the Bulls are thinking, but they're thinking something long-term. They got a long-term plan. They're working out. But yeah. the Knicks' big three is so funny: Derrick Rose, yeah. Carmelo, and Porzingis. Yeah, <laughs> and there's now like a ton of like Dwight to New York rumors, which if it was, if we if it was like 2011, and someone told me that one day. Dwight and Derrick Rose and Carmelo would all be on the same team. I'd be like, dude, it's over. Everyone else is just packing in. But now it's just kind of like a joke. Like we're sort of like laughing about it. Yeah. I don't know what Chicago's end goal is because today they were. I know you were out fishing. You weren't really following the draft. I'm but, fishing again. But but that's what I'm here for. I caught and, a lot of fish. And uh, <laughs> and the bull, <laughs> the Bulls were trying to offload Jimmy Butler all day. No, I'm not kidding Wait, you. What? I'm not kidding you. Dude, I, I go was, off the grid for like five seconds, and that happens. They so it's more crazy to me that they weren't able to do it because Jimmy Butler's awesome. Wait, what? They, what is? The, what are they doing? They they traded Rose. Everyone just thought it was Butler's deal. It was Butler's team. That's what I'm saying. I don't know what their I don't know what their long term plan also, is. They, Jimmy Butler's a franchise level point guard. They they are shooting guard, but he can play the point. But uh, well, he was gonna play the point without Derek Rose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They offered him for the number two pick to the Lakers. They couldn't work it out. They offered him to the Celtics for the number three pick. Couldn't work it out. They offered him to the Timberwolves to reunite him with Thibodeau. Couldn't work it out. So now they're stuck with Jimmy Butler, who knows that his franchise tried to trade him like in every single way. So it's this really, what, there's this really their, weird they, thing. Were happening. they trying to get Buddy healed? Like, what was their guard end game there? I don't know, man. Buddy, I mean, it would have to have been Buddy, right? Or, or all I Jamal know, Murray, or all I know is Celtics will regret taking Jalen Brown. Brown. I watch every Cal game this year. Yeah, they're gonna regret taking Jalen Brown Dude. over Buddy Heald. You miss it. Boston fans were very upset. That's unbelievable. They were really Jalen really Brown. Upset. Uh, he's a tweener. I mean, <laughs> that's all I gotta tell you. I watched him in high school because he came out to West Lynn and played in the Le Schwab. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he lost to Westland actually, and he <laughs> was just hilarious. And I watched every game in college because I'm a huge Cal fan, and uh, he's a tweener. That's all. I could, that's just what he is. My only theory with the Celtics because 
and again, I don't follow college that closely, but a little bit like, like I'm looking at all the picks and, and everyone through like pick eight would have been like not only a better pick than Jalen Brown, but like a better fit for the Celtics, right. especially buddy. Like they need score. They, yeah. they need someone who's a star. My only, my only theory is that the Celtics, even though they were unable to work out a trade today, they're in talks with some team who they really wanted Jalen Brown and so the Celtics are just kind of yeah. stashing him until they can work out a trade. Crazy. I, I mean, Jalen Brown, he's a great college player. He's a great athlete. If he can learn to shoot, he could help himself a lot. I realize um, that the only person listening to our pod at this point is probably Dane Scanlon. Dane, we love you, dude. And Dane, I'm going to uh, define for uh, your friends what a tweener is. You know, what, you know what a tweener is, but your friends don't know what a tweener is. It's basically a guy who plays a position who's – uh, he's just undersized for. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's like a small forward, power forward, but you're just like your body is not quite big enough to yeah. actually play that position. Yeah. What is he, like 6'6", six, 6'5", six, six, maybe? I don't know. I think he's 6'5". I don't know. He's, yeah, His wingspan's like 6'10 or something. But, but he's but. an athlete, and um, but he plays, unfortunately, like kind of in the low low block. And the NBA yeah. is going to have to learn how to shoot to be that mm-hmm. size and be on the court. Yeah. Anyways, I'm super – all the other picks kind of were fine, um, but I don't get Boston. But, yeah, that New York-Chicago trade is really interesting. I don't know what Chicago – like, I guess that trade makes sense, but I don't get why they're trying to trade Butler. Uh, so, moving on. Uh, OKC unloads freaking well, surge. Yeah, I was going to get there in a second, but we could talk about we it loud. We talked about it. <laughs> We just and we talked about it again. But yeah, Oklahoma unloaded surge and they got Victor Oladipo. What who, is that? Who I think is Why? just not good. He's they actually, got Ilya. He's actually, he's actually not bad, but he's not good. He's either. not good, but he's not bad. <laughs> they got Ilya Sova. I like, who, Ola, who, I like Oladipo. Who Ilya Sova's last year on the Bucks? He was actually like awesome, but then he fell off. And then they got uh, the number eleven pick, who turned out to be uh, Sabonis's kid, dude. What's the what's oh, the plan on, there? Hold on, dude. Oklahoma City? Yeah. They're who I'm sorry. Uh, I like Dan said I've been fishing all day. I'm literally catching up to the draft right it's now. Sorry, right. I like this. They drafted Buddy Heald? Mm-mm. It's his Wait, did a trade just happen? Oh. No, the no. Pelicans oh, drafted okay. Buddy. Oh, sorry. Yeah, the... for, I got super freaked out for a second. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. No, uh, Thunder I... got Oladipo, <laughs> Ilyasova, and Sabonis. <laughs> it says that I'm I'm looking at a draft ticker really quick, and I saw Oklahoma, but I realized that's his the university. Yeah, I was like, "What in the world? How so, is that possible?" So Oklahoma is either trying to completely revamp their roster, uh, but but Abaca's amazing, man. So I don't know what. It, do you think? Do you think their trading of Abaca is because Adams has blossomed into like a dope rim protector? Dude, I'm gonna be real honest. I don't get it. Yeah, uh, they're a championship team. They didn't need to. They didn't need to change a thing unless there was bad chemistry. Unless Ibaka was struggling with Billy Donovan, which I get because he's not yeah. a great coach. If Ibaka didn't know his role or his place, but he played great in the in the final in the semifinals, he was mm. a great player. Um, and so my only thing is it's a chemistry issue because. If the Thunder did nothing, they're a title contending team. Yeah, I think everybody believes that. And so to unload him, it's to it's only can only be a chemistry thing. Do you think that Oklahoma in trading Abaca, who's a great a great player, uh, in getting Oladipo, who is still very young, it's his third or fourth year in the league, 
and uh and sub and a a hot like a better draft pick. Dude, Oladipo is not bad. <laughs> just I, I'm not you, saying you probably don't watch a lot of Magic games. I don't watch a lot of Magic games, but I watched a lot of Indiana games when he was there, and he was and he was actually a yeah. dominant guard. That's by the way, that's not what I was saying at all. Oh. I'm just saying they got a young guy in Oladipo. They got a better draft pick. They got Ilya Sova, who they might just end up waving. Do you think this is all insurance because they think Durant isn't coming back? Dude, Durant's coming back. I don't know. Just a thought. Yeah, I guess they don't know. Just I a guess, retor- guess rhetorical question. A uh, couple other quick trades that happened today. Uh, Sacramento traded their number eight pick for number 13, 28, and the rights to someone else overseas. So whatever. Super weird. And uh, Oh, this one is super interesting. The Kings traded Marco Bellinelli to the Hornets for the number 22 pick. And so the Kings, as you can see, they made a couple strange trades. They traded their their like good draft pick for for multiple other ones that weren't as good. They traded Bellinelli. In the midst of all this, I don't know if you follow Boogie Cousins on Twitter. Boogie, if you're listening. I, I do not. If you're listening, Boogie, you're my favorite player in the NBA, and I love you so, so much. You made my list of top three most hated players in the NBA. <laughs> I love you, Boogie. You're my number one favorite player. Coach killer, team killer. He, he tweeted out in the midst of this with a little praying hands emoji. He tweeted, Lord grant me the strength. Boogie is not happy with the moves the Kings are making. I think he's getting traded soon. I don't know to who. Uh, I don't know where. Uh, there was also rumors earlier that the Kings were trying to trade for D'Angelo Russell, which I don't know who. I, I like D'Angelo, but the only and the only trade I'd like honestly the only trade I'd be open for is if they somehow flipped him for Boogie, which I don't know if that what was in the works. But um, anyways. The draft, uh, those are the trades so far. This is literally like my favorite time of year. Free agency starts in about a week, and uh, there's going to be a lot of trades happening. The draft went just about, besides the Celtics, like botching it. Simmons went first. Ingram went second. I'm stoked on Ingram. Uh, Do you like Ingram? Yeah, he's the most complete player in the draft. He's going to be better than Ben Simmons. Awesome. Uh, Any last thoughts this week? Um, Just... You know, you mentioned a few names connected to the Warriors. Yeah. Um, and like, obviously, they're not going to max Harrison Barnes because, wow, he's, that would make him the highest paid player on the team. He's a he, literal pile of trash. <laughs> oh I'll, like, God. walk by a trash Don't can. Don't say that. Don't say, I love, I, Harrison, I love I'll you. I'll walk by a trash Harrison, can on the side of the road. I I'll love be like, you dude, as are you a serious? Person. Harrison Barnes Harrison, is here? Harrison, I love you as a person. And then I'll realize person. it's a trash can. I, no, don't Harrison say that. Do not say that. I love you as a person. You're made in the image of God. You're a brother in Christ. Christ, but you're gonna have to go to another team because the Warriors can't yeah. max you because they can't make you the highest paid player. Mitch Kupchak, if you're listening, do not bring him to LA. Uh, but uh, so Harrison, I love you, uh, just not on my team. And uh, Batum to the Warriors is very intriguing. But you want to know what just really has my eyebrows like? Bleep. What? Tell me. Ryan Anderson to yeah. the Warriors, former Cal Bear, former. Um, Sacramento Pharaoh, which is an AAU team that I coached against. Um, so I've coached against Ryan, Ryan about four times now, and uh, I'm, I'm three out of four against him. Not a big deal. Yeah. Um, he's an unbelievable, unbelievable three-point shooter. He's a stretch four. He's a long, uh, yeah. long body off the bench. He's unbelievable. There's Dirk rumors to the Warriors. 
Um, I, dude, I'd be super down dude, with that. Bring really him off the bench for like 15 minutes a Obviously game. Obviously the KD to the Warriors, but I don't know how. I mean, it makes no financial sense for him. He must really want think he can win a title if he comes because he's yeah. going to lose a lot of money if he does that. But, um, yeah, so just crazy thoughts about who could be in a Warriors uniform next year. It's not going to be Harrison. Um, I'd re-sign Festus for very little money um, just for during the season. He did good stuff. But, yeah, Batum. Dirk, KD, I mean, Ryan Anderson. There's a lot of names floating out there. I, I Bismack Bayumbo. Dude, I love Bismack. Dude, I, I yeah, saw him at he the, had a coming up party. His his playoffs were dominant. I saw Toronto. him at the Hoop Summit in Portland like five years ago. <laughs> That's awesome. And we were, everyone was just screaming Bismack at the end because he, yeah. he literally dropped a triple-double, but one of, the, one of the stats were blocks. It was dope. Hey, who's um, still listening out there? Tweet at us at Drew Martin. That's D R U M A R T I N, or yeah. at Deo Tree. That's obviously the traditional traditional spelling. spelling. Of Guys, we'll be back. Uh, it'll be at least at least a week and a half before we're back, and, and we're we'll, going dark for a week. We'll be doing some different things with the basketball pod because there's no games. But uh, free agency is literally the thing I love the most because. I think more than I enjoy actually watching basketball. I love speculation and I love rumors. So I get really excited by this time of year. I get excited because I think the Lakers are about to turn a corner. But we'll see. Uh, Golden State has got a couple moves that they'll probably make, at least decisions. And uh, the same with every other team in the league, I guess. Um, Guys, if you're still listening, thank you for listening. This has been a fun podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Jesus black life ain't metal. I know I talked to his daddy. Say you the man of the house now. Look out for your family. He has ordered my steps, gave me a sword with a crest, and gave Donnie a trumpet in case I can shorten some breath.